You're listening to the Gutsy Podcast, where we talk about all things real, raw, and ridiculous about running a business authentically. Whether you need an inspirational pick-me-up or a swift kick in the mental ass, the Gutsy Podcast is your bi-weekly guide to getting out of your head and back into action. I'm Laura Ora, branding and mindset coach for female entrepreneurs, CEO of Works & Co., and your host on this journey through entrepreneurship. It's time to fuel your gutsy. You're ready to scale your business, but have some reservations. If you increase your price, will people actually pay it? If you increase your financial goal, does that mean you'll have to work even harder than you already are? Or are you going to have to take on a shit ton of clients to even be able to meet that goal? These, along with many other reservations, are what holds a lot of entrepreneurs back from truly achieving their life and financial goals. Today, we're talking with Shayla Boyd-Gill about scaling your business in less time with fewer clients. Shayla, the family freedom and affluence mentor and creator of the Lux Your Business Sales System, is an extraordinary and proven business mentor and sales strategist who shows women entrepreneurs how to have it all, truly, family, freedom, and affluence, all while doing what they love. Shayla, I am stoked to have you on. Welcome to the Gutsy Podcast. So grateful to be here today, Laura. I appreciate it. Can't wait to have an amazing conversation with you. Absolutely. So I have to start this off right, because I read that you homeschool six children and you (laughs) used to teach belly dancing. So we need to just talk about that for a second. (laughs) Wow. Who told you that? No. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So mom of six homeschool kids and three of them have successfully graduated. Oh, thank goodness. So I didn't screw them up too bad. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, belly dance was one of my outlets in the early 2000s. It's something I did. I performed and taught. So yeah, you know, you have to have a little excitement on the side. You know, I, I'm here for that. And I just feel like there's such a cool energy with belly dancing. Like, I, I like to think of myself as a dancer, but just, you know, in my living room and stuff. Right. <laughs> but it, but there's, some, there's something so incredible about physically moving your body and listening to music that, I don't know, that's, that is one of my love languages for sure. It is. I mean, it is quite freeing because you didn't, you don't, when you're belly dancing, you really don't have to know how to dance per se. You just have to be willing to move your body and be free with it and figure out what your body's going to do eventually to a rhythm, <laughs> but you just let your body go. Isn't that kind of like the, the, the groundwork or the moral of, of owning a business too? Same like you don't really, <laughs> like you don't really have to know all the moves. You don't have to be a, like a perfect business owner, but you just have to be willing to move your body and yes. th- things will start to come into play. Willingness is everything. You know, if you come into it very rigid, you're not going to make it. But if you come to your business open and just willing to be the student of your business and be the CEO, you'll make massive moves. Exactly. And speaking of massive moves, you made massive moves. So you went from bankruptcy to multiple six figures, which I applaud you. I love this story. So tell us a little bit more about the backstory and your entrepreneurial journey. Sure. So, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of story to the story. Okay. Yep, so, I feel that. Um, the belly dancing, if you're like, well, how did we get to belly dancing? Um, When I left my corporate J-O-B, I was in a very masculine dominated um, career, construction engineering technology, project management. 
left that career after only lasting in it for three years because I literally needed freedom. I couldn't be in the cubicle, got tired of being on this site, walking around on sites and still toe boots. Energetically, I needed something different. I um, left my job, decided I need to figure out how to generate this money that I made as an engineer. So the first thing that I did, this is why I have six kids, I became a doula and a childbirth educator because I had such amazing birth experiences. And that lasted, I literally did that until 2015. So there was an overlap in the doing of being a doula childbirth educator, ran the business, and here's here's the kicker, six-figure business. But what I didn't know was exactly how to run the business. I knew how to make money in the business. I knew how to get clients, but I didn't know how to manage what I was doing. So I was doing just like in that hustle mode, doing, 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 had lots of clients, one of the top birth workers in the DC metropolitan area. And what happened was, you know, I made six figures. So if you make $100,000 and you spend $101,000, what does that make you? Broke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. I'm like, there's a lot of words I could give this, but yeah, yeah. certainly one of them. Broke is one of those things, right? you're not managing it properly, things start catching up with you. That's where bankruptcy came in. I filed for bankruptcy. And, you know, that's when the the self-pity, the doubt, beating yourself up, all of the BS came out right then. I'm like, I am the victim. It's the worst. But yet I'm still rubbing backs and helping moms and being tired and getting up at two in the morning because babies don't have a schedule. And what I said to myself during that time was there's some things you need to fix here. So I had to learn about money management and things of that nature. But what I also understood was I need to fix my business model. What I'm doing is not effective. I'm going to burn out and this is going to be dangerous. I remember one birth I attended, I was literally in there coaching the mom and I'm like, I don't want to be here. And I'm like, this is not the thought to have in the middle of this woman having labor. <laughs> this is not fair to her. It's not her fault. I'm like, get through this and you need to go home and fix it. So I did that and I realized I needed a business that allowed me to have more freedom. You know, you everyone becomes an entrepreneur because you want to have freedom, right? Yeah. Well, you know how that goes, right? Well, <laughs> so that's, I, inevitably, that's one of the first things to go. That's the first lie that we say, well, I want freedom. And then you end up working 60 hours a week in your own business. So I say, I want freedom. I want to do it differently. How can I still make a difference helping women? And I literally looked at what I learned with running that business, the mistakes I encountered, and then the lessons that I learned from that. And I said, what I know how to do well now is run a business. I had to go through falling on my face to learn how to run this. I could teach other birth workers how to run their businesses because no one else that I was talking to was able to really have this profitable, thriving birthing business because we were all givers. So everyone was giving away the services. And I'm like, nope, my baby's got to eat. We're not giving this away. (laughs) So I started coaching other birth workers. And then I expanded to coaching other types of women with types of businesses. This overlapped me doing birth. So I was parallel. I was running two businesses at one time. My goal was to be able to create that money in the new coaching business that I created in the birthing business. As soon as I was able to do that, 2015, I said, I'm out. I'm not watching another baby come out. I don't care what happens. People started calling. I was like, nope, can't do it. And so that's how (laughs) I entered into the coaching world. So it was an overlap, but it was a necessary overlap until I could really get my ground and get my footing in this coaching industry. But here's a joke I love to tell people. I'm still coaching. I've always been coaching. I coach women to have babies. Now I'm just coaching women to birth businesses. And now I'm coaching them to grow their businesses and scale their business. 
it's the same thing. All of it is labor. It absolutely is. I, I often use the metaphor that, you know, starting a business is like having a child, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it, you don't know what you're doing. You assume everything's wrong. You watch what everyone else is doing. You try oh, some yeah. things. It's the worst. <laughs> you, you drop, you drop the ball on some stuff. You, you do really awesome at other things. And it's, it's just this constant learning and growing and being open to, you know, making mistakes and learning stuff along the way. It is. It is. But here's here's the when we're looking at metaphors that way too. When I'm speaking to women that want to scale their businesses and things of that nature, oftentimes if you've not figured out you've making a certain amount of money, like maybe you've reached six figures or you're knocking on the door six figures, you're making a certain amount of money, but you can't figure out how to scale. You're not allowing your baby to grow up. So you're mm. keeping yourself at this baby business. You like you keep nurturing this baby, but you're not nurturing the baby to a point where the baby can grow. And that's where I step in and say, it's time to let the baby grow up. It's time to make your make your business a teenager or an adult. Let the baby grow, or you're gonna get stuck. You'll get tired. Look, I know all the moms are like, oh, <laughs> you know, because I, it's hard. Like they don't. Nobody prepares you. For- no one. <laughs> for all this all these phases of 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 motherhood specifically like you know my 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 baby just turned 14 and, and it, so coincidingly my business also just turned 14 oh my so word had, had had my son the same year i started my business which is a yeah. whole story in its own mm-hmm. but you know it's it's tough like it is it, and, and again it's it's a lot of letting go right releasing that releasing control releasing um fixing things releasing doing it yourself like there's mm-hmm. so much like it's like a death grip and the same goes with your business it's like if you keep like this 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 hold on because you're terrified of it growing it it's always going to hit a ceiling always there's the ceiling will constantly be there and you'll hear people say i can't grow beyond this point i'm like is that true or is it you don't want to do the necessary changes so that you can do that mm. you know earlier you mes- mentioned the hustle culture and i i think that i'm i'm glad to hear and see that we are moving away from that mm-hmm. you know in, in in like the online space and in in female entrepreneurship but i think that a lot of it's still kind of ingrained in the mindset because we've been taught for so long that to achieve more you have to do more which means i have have to hustle more which means if i'm not busting my ass that i'm not succeeding and it's kind of this whole spiral what yeah. are what are, what are some of your thoughts on that that's a story we've been fed you know, because think about who fed it to us when, if you're looking like I was born in 74. So if you look at any movies or shows or successful people that you saw from the eighties and the nineties, they were probably male. They were probably, um, men that, you know, were just like at the top of their game. And all you saw them saying was, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, it was, it was that, that boy club, of you know, we gotta go, everybody go. And I'm like, Hmm. I don't fit into that club. You know, that, yeah. that just, it doesn't feel good, you know? And when you look at those guys, you're saying, are they happy? Is your relationship happy? Wait a minute. Are you happy with yourself or is it, you're just constantly driving for a goal, but there's nothing else there. And, and when you think of the ones, even in our marketing, let's look at marketing. When we see successful guys that are in that hustle mode, they have some Lamborghini or some kind of car getting off of a jet, you know, (laughs) that's hustle. It's like, this is what it has to look like. So you can be right here and I'm not going to name the names, but we know who they are. And 
again, they'll say, this is my family, but they may see their family, you know, one hour out of the day, two hours out of the day, unless they're going on a family trip with photos. But there's, there's, there's not a lot going on in there beyond the business and the team and just waking up every day saying, this is what drive looks like. You know, you wake up at four in the morning, you do this thing, you work out, you go and you make these calls, you sell, 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 sell. Come on now. Yep. <laughs> it just, it doesn't fit. And I think that's such a good reminder and like everyone that's listening if you're like oh that's just never been me but I'm trying to force myself to be that because that's what we're taught like it's okay like you don't have to fit that mold because it's not your mold to fit in yeah like it's it's okay you know I'm one of the things that I'm I'm continuously undoing is waking up in the morning and feeling like I have to like get on be on or I'm going to be late Right. Like I, if I'm not, if I'm not on the computer by nine, I'm, I'm already behind and everything's falling apart and it's, I, it is substantially better than it used to be, but I can still <laughs> feel it creep in. You know, I can still feel it creep in from time to time. And I've done enough healing work at this point that I can say, hold on, what's going on and yeah. pa- pausing and reframing. And it's like, I don't have to do anything <laughs> yeah and, and and remember you're the ceo you get to choose what this looks like so we're not saying that oh you start your business and you get to lay back be on the beach kick your feet up and not have to do anything you do have to do the work but you can put structure around the work that you do you can set the terms of the hours and the days that you would choose to work you can get up early but actually spend time taking care of yourself first before committing to being on the phone with a client at six in the morning You can choose that, you know, I I am going to make myself the priority so that I can then show up better for my team and for my clients. That can be a thing. And so for me, I wake up at old dark 30 every morning, but that's just the way my body wakes up. Literally, there's no alarm clock for me. So I am like the people in the videos like, oh, you get up at three or four, but that's my body kicking me out of bed saying, hey, you can't sleep. I choose not to do business at three or four in the morning, but I do choose to take care of myself because that's the only time it's quiet in my house before the other folks get up. So if I can get four good hours or three good hours of peace, I'm taking advantage of that. That's the time if I need to meditate, stretch, or just want to listen to some music I want to hear, or just sit with my coffee in the morning and look outside or do something, I can do that and feel like I don't have to do anything else. See, and that's that's what this is all about, right? It's and you're 100 right. There's work to be done, but you get to structure when mm-hmm. that work is done. You get to decide. Like for instance, if you don't want to work on Mondays, don't make that available in your calendar. Right? Like don't don't <laughs> bend the rule and say, well, you know, this person can only do it. No, if you don't work Mondays, period you don't work Mondays. Or maybe Monday, like for me, Mondays are my internal day. Mm-hmm. I, do, I do all the things that I need to do for my business. I don't, I don't talk to anybody on Mondays, but I yeah. have it blocked in my calendar. That's, that's a, a cool trick that I want to share with you guys is um, I love Calendly personally. I know there's Acuity and a whole bunch of other scheduling apps that you can use, but if you're having a hard time saying no to spaces in your calendar, if you just block it off, it does the work for you. And then you get very comfortable with it. So, you know, but it's, it's, um, you have to be intentional about it. Otherwise, I mean, it's just like 
throwing water all over the floor. It's going to go every which way. And then you're going to wonder why you're falling on your ass. Well, and here's a good point. When you're scaling, you're growing and you're saying, I have to take on more clients. That's a myth. And we'll talk about that. But what you do realize is when you're taking on, for me, if I'm taking on higher quality clients or any client, if someone really wants to work with you, they will find a way to fit into your calendar for the times that you have available. This is part of you showing up as a leader, okay? If you're showing up as a leader in your business and you're saying, here are the hours or here's the next available appointment, someone's either going to say, yes, that works or no, it doesn't. Okay, here's the next. And they will realize after a minute, okay, I need to rearrange some things so I can get this information or this knowledge or this lesson that I wanted from this person. I am that person. When someone says, this is my availability, I figure out how I can fit in to the time that they are available. But if you open up that conversation to, well, when are you available? That's a whole, you know what oh, show right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you have to take control of your calendar, your times. And I guarantee you, your people will fit in where you have time available. So let's transition right into that myth, because I think that's a big one. It's like, okay, if I want to scale, if I want to grow, I have to take on so many more clients. Yeah. So that's, and this is one of the myths, you know, if if you want to scale or grow, you have to have a whole lot of clients in order to do that. Total myth. And this is because you can structure your business and your packaging and pricing so that you can accommodate fewer clients and actually make more money. One of the things I love is working with high ticket clients, meaning they're going to pay more, but they're paying more for access. They're paying more to get the information faster. They're paying more so that they don't have to be in a group of 100 people, right? So you don't have to do it as a volume-based business. You can do it as more of a higher touch-based business and still be able to make your money and oftentimes even more money and more profit because you don't have to have a bigger team to be able to manage all the people when you have 100 people in a group or more. So you may see in many industry, in, the, in our industry, especially coaching, consulting and things of that nature, someone may have a launch. Maybe they had a launch for a 497 program or a 997 program. And they were like, yeah, we had, you know, a $600,000 close. You know how many people you have to have for that? (laughs) You have to have a crazy team, number one, to be able to manage that many people. It's amazing that they did it, but their attrition rate is going to be greater because there's so many people and it's a lower ticket. People are going to fall off over and over and over again. When you are offering something that's high ticket, you have fewer people. Even if you have a group and that group is only six people or eight people, that attri- the attrition is going to be little to none because you vet it. It's a higher quality client. That person you've already gotten to know, you've made sure you've qualified them. They're going to stick. Your money's going to stay. There's no chasing. Hmm. It's a total. It's a total shift in in its entirety with you, with the the people that are showing up. Like what you're putting out is what is what you're attracting. You, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> and it's and it's so much easier. It's so much easier. So it's not that one model is better than the other, but it's it's all about finding the model that fits you and your personality. So for me, if I know I'm slightly introverted, I know I don't like large groups. Why are you forcing yourself to do it? Hmm. I've been there. I've been coached in programs where the model was amazing for the right person. 
And I had to realize for me, that's not the model that best suits me. You need to stop trying to force a model that doesn't fit you. And that's where you give yourself grace as a CEO to make those changes in your business to decide, I need to do this differently. This isn't working. Even if you've put the, you've, you'll put it out there and someone says you're not trying hard enough, or is it you're trying something that energetically is not a match for you? You need to know it and own that. Yes. Oh, yeah. 110% yes. Look, if it's not, if you are not feeling it, you're not showing up in it. And when you no. are, that is that is the energy that you're emanating. Like that's what you're putting out. And believe it or not, people pick up on that. <laughs> they know. Oh, they pick up on it quickly. They, <laughs> they feel it. Whether, whether they are in tune to it or not, you know, if, you, if you've ever had that, like, I don't know, something just seems kind of off type of feeling, like that's mm-hmm. intuition screaming. So if like, stop doing things that you hate doing. Like if it's not your model, just because it's working for someone else on the internet, doesn't mean that that's the model that's going to work for you. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it was a, it's a, again, it's a great model for some people, but know what works for you. Know what you want. That's why when you're coming into your business, you have to really look at what's the business model that you want. Oftentimes people will start the business and not look at the model. Instead, they say, "What? how much money do I want to make and who's doing this? But what you need to look at is, how do you want your business to look? How much do you, how much time do you want to spend in your business? Are you looking to build a boutique business? Are you looking to build this massive business? You, if you knew that from the beginning, you could kind of recognize this program is probably not the thing I should pay attention to. The marketing is amazing, but I need to find something that will support this model that I want here. Right. And I think it's also important to know that it's okay to change that model as well. Like you can start it one way and then find out like, this is no longer, you know, this isn't ringing my bell anymore. Like I'm not excited anymore. I don't love this. Um, I'm feeling called to something else. Like that's the beautiful thing about having your own business is you can pivot whenever you want to. And the key in that, and I love that, the reminder of that, it is important and you can pivot. And the key is pivot sooner than later. Like when you feel that gut urge, that's your sign. Most people are afraid because they're worried about what they will look like. You know, what are people going to think? What's my list going to think? Who cares? <laughs> your list, they're either going to come with you or they're going to say, I'm out. Give them that permission to do that. You can let your list know things are changing. You know, this is happening. If you want it, you've seen the emails. If you love it, stick around. If not, don't worry. We won't email you anymore. I have purged a list over and over again, and I'm okay with that because I don't have that fear of that scarcity thing. I'm like, I can build over and over again because you want to attract and market to the people that you really want to market to. Give people grace to find another resource. And know that you're okay. Like, it, I love that you brought up the scarcity feeling because that's often what it is. It's like, I want to I'm going to hold on. I want to grab on. I'm, I'm holding on for dear life you know, because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to lose these people. But it's, I mean, you're really just stepping into the next chapter chapter of what your higher self is calling you to do. Stepping into that chapter is, is big too, because the word release comes up again. One of the first things that I do have to teach my clients, because oftentimes they are coming from the lower ticket model and shifting to higher ticket model. And the biggest thing we have to do is release what's no longer working for you. And that sometimes means clients. You know, if you've taken on that client and you're feeling like I need to stick with this client because they're the ones that give me that money every month. But as you said, they're not exciting you anymore. 
It's how do you release what's no longer working for you? How do you call forward the people you really want to work with? How do you release that fear that you're going to leave people behind? And how can you make sure they're taken care of if you are leaving them behind? You have to let go. You, I mean, once you let go, you free yourself up to be able to receive what you really desire. But as long as you're holding onto people or things, you don't have space to receive that next level of what you say you want. So let's talk about the art of letting go of something that is super common when people are transitioning from low ticket to high ticket. And that's no one's ever going to pay that. Oh, I love that one. (laughs) (laughs) So that's another myth. There is a huge myth that if I start selling high ticket, no one's going to pay me for that. That's the story we tell ourselves. And I'm going to tell you the reason why this story often lands and in many cases becomes true for people, even though it's a myth. It's because there's a lack of congruency. When we have a lack of congruency in our head, I want a $35,000 offer. I want, okay, let's go down. I want a $10,000 offer. And in your out of your mouth comes, no one's going to pay me that. Or I don't think people will pay that. I don't know that it's worth $10,000. I love to say it's an easy way for you to confuse the universe. And the thing that we worry about the most is the thing that we will actually manifest. So if you're saying, I want one thing, but I don't believe one thing will happen, then that fear, that belief that you have is exactly what's going to happen. But what I love to say is there is evidence. We have lots of evidence around us, right? The evidence is people are already paying high ticket. If you don't know the evidence from another person in your industry, look outside of your industry. People are paying high ticket for material things. People are paying high ticket for experiences. So the evidence is that money exists. There is money that people will spend and people spend money on things that they value the most. So the thing that you have to correct is making sure that your offer is something that is valuable. Valuable does not mean adding zeros to the end of it to make it high ticket. Valuable means really packaging this and making sure it's a transformational offer and then making sure that it actually works, okay? So if you've never created a process or you've never taught something, you've never created a transformation for a client before, it's going to be hard to just come out the park and I want to be an entrepreneur and I have a $100,000 offer. There's nothing proven that your thing works. But if you've done it low ticket, you've done it medium, and you know that we can repackage this, but actually make it more high touch and make it more valuable, it's very simple. You know your stuff works. The only difference is you're packaging it, you're adding more to it, you're enhancing the experience for people. And I love to say there's seven Lux touch points that I teach my clients. When we add those seven Lux touch points to it, you have a total package. So then you can be congruent, consistent, and committed to actually selling that thing. And you can then attract the money that you desire from it. It's a proven thing. The evidence is there that people will buy. You know, the, the evidence is everywhere. And All I love around that you. you. Brought, I, yeah, I love that you brought that up because, look, I could open up my Instagram right now and give you 10 examples of why that's working. Yes, absolutely. There, there are people spending $10,000 on a handbag and there are people spending fifteen ninety nine on a handbag. Yes. There are people buying $8 million homes. There are people buying $50,000 homes. Like it is, it is 
money is is ever abundant. It's always flowing. And to your point, people will purchase what's important to them. If you've been considering offering online courses, classes, or webinars, I'm going to bet that you've spent a lot of hours on Google comparing all of the different options. Some platforms are really big and robust and other ones just don't do everything that you need. I found that Podia is the happy medium. Podia has everything that you need to be able to sell courses, webinars, downloads, and now even memberships. And if Facebook groups isn't your jam for creating a community, you can also host your own community on Podia as well. One of the things I love most about Podia, it integrates with MailChimp and it talks to a lot of the programs that I'm already using. So that means working smarter and not harder. It's super easy to set up new classes and courses and you can even duplicate them to replicate similar types of content. I also love that the platform is just simple. It's clean and it's easy to use. So if you've been searching for the perfect platform, head to the show notes and click on the Podia link to start your free trial today. They're going to invest in something. And I want to, I want to transition into this offer, this messaging stuff, because I know that this is a big, a big, big portion. Like you could have the most amazing thing in the world. You could have all the proof in the world. You know that you're awesome at what you do. You know that people succeed when they work with you. Mm -hmm. But if you're not communicating that properly, Mm -hmm. It doesn't get across the table. So talk to me about getting super clear on your offer and who you are and what you do and all that nitty gritty stuff. That's important. Clarity is one of my things that I teach too. You have to be super clear because you're absolutely right. If you're not communicating that, people don't know that you're the one. So what I love to tell people is you have what I call a luck spot. This is your sweet spot. This is the thing like it's it's almost like your orgasmic spot. This is the thing that you do so well. You can do it with your eyes closed. It is your zhuzh. This is why people come to you. We all have one thing that people come to us for, okay? And so when you really know what that thing is and you start marketing and speaking from that place. So if you know you are like a beast when it comes to closing sales. That's the only thing that you want people to know you for. You can speak from that place. Your language comes from there. But what the, the, if we want to simplify it even more, Laura, the big thing is if you have a Lux offer, you're offering one thing. You're really focusing your framework. The, the things you're offering is focused in one area. So anything that you're talking about, all of your content should come from your offer. Everything that you do should come from the offer. When you start making up content and making up conversations that have nothing to do with your offer, that's where you cause confusion. That's where people can't understand the value. So you want to be super clear on what the benefits are of your offer. The benefits can't be you'll be more confident. No one's buying confident. The benefits can't be you'll have an amazing mindset. People could care less. They don't want, they, they hear mindset, they hear work, Right. You know they need it, but they're not going to buy it. So you need to be super clear to convey what your audience really wants. And oftentimes, it's not what we teach. <laughs> you know, it's not the words that we say that we teach. You have to learn the language of your audience. What are they saying that they want? So if my people are wanting to sell high ticket, they're probably not saying, I want to sell high ticket. What they really want is more money to be able to do more things for their family. They may be looking at, okay, how can I expand this so that I can really create a legacy and leverage my time and leverage my finances a little bit differently? They may be saying, I want to be able to bring on team. 
what we're using is a vehicle of a high ticket offer for them to be able to do that. What we're telling them is we can help you to create these things without sacrificing the things that you really want to do. Because my, by the time my clients get to me, they've already sold things. They know they can sell. They just don't know that they can sell at high ticket. They know that they can attract people. They just don't know how to attract higher quality people. But what they really want, they'll tell me they want more freedom. They want more less time in their business. They want to be able to scale, but they don't want to be able to use more time to do that. That's their fear. It's going to take so much more time for me to be able to do this. So if we can debunk all of the myths, as we're talking about myths here, if you can debunk the myths in your messaging, the people will come. It's a lot like reverse engineering. That's all it is. I mean, think about what they want and what they say they can't have. Uh, well, there you go. There's a formula right there. You know, That's it's, um, it, it, gosh, it, it comes, it, we make things messy. <laughs> we make like, things messy because when it, oh, I love this. Okay. So you ever, things ever come to you really easy and then you feel guilty because it does. Because you're looking around at maybe your peers and the things you're hearing and they're like, oh, I worked so hard for this. It took me six months to build this program. It took me this long to do this thing. And you're like, well, maybe I'm not doing enough or maybe my thing isn't that valuable because it really didn't take me that long to do it. And so oftentimes we will ask the universe for, you know, ease and grace. Help me to simplify this thing. You get the simple message and then you want to muck the message up because it seemed too easy. That happens to me a lot. Like I will get exactly what I asked for from the universe and I will screw it up because I allow my ego to get in the middle of it. I allow other people's messages to get in the middle of it. And then you end up right back to the answer and you're like, oh, it was that all the time. Oh boy. It was, it was there the whole time. You know, I think that goes back <laughs> to the, this like pre-training that we have been fed, right? Yes. Like it's, it's like, well, that was easy. Oh, oh no. Something's, go- something's wrong. Something's Some- wrong. <laughs> something isn't right. Um, this doesn't happen to people like me. Um, I must be missing something. And it's like you go on this freaking scavenger hunt for all the problems. Just and you, to- or you make up problems. <laughs> you make up problems. And then you waste a lot of time, money, and energy just to circle back right where you started. And it, like, it was literally in front of you the whole time. I remember one of the biggest lessons I learned when I got into the coaching industry, I was working with a coach and it was as simple as naming my program or naming something. And I was coming up with all these names. It was like, I I was looking in the marketing books. I had the huge (laughs) list of the marketing terms that sold well. And she said, Shayla, the one thing I want to tell you is cute doesn't sell. I was like, excuse me, what do you say? She said, you're trying to look for this cute name, this fancy name. That's not what she said. That's not what's going to sell and make you money. I'm like, yeah. oh, dang, I was really searching. Too. I, I said, I know I can pick the fancy name. We're going to yeah. pick the best of the best. And I'm like, well, think about this. Okay. You have, you have companies out here like Apple. There's nothing cute or fancy about Apple. There's it's nothing cute about that. It's a freaking fruit. <laughs> it's a name. It's a fruit. <laughs> Simple, right? And we're like, but it needs to be called the thing, thing, thing of the thing with flashing lights and sparkles thing. And yep. again, when we think of your your energy, the energy of men that are bringing to this industry, they are not naming their businesses like that. We, we tend to do that because we think that um, women are going to be attracted to it. Like it's like the stiletto cells of something. It's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> 
or it's almost like um, a way to prove yourself yes. as more qualified. Yes, kind of what that's kind of what I'm hearing too. It's like, well, if if I have the best of the best name, then people will want it because they it's know it's be the fancy, best. right? Yeah, <laughs> they 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 want it because of you. They want it because you can do something for them. That you but can no one them. wants to admit that. You know, this no. this is another piece of that guilt that we may carry as women. People are buying you. And when you realize you're the authority, like this is another myth where people say, I have to be the authority and I'm not the authority right now. Actually, you are because someone's investing in themselves through you. So someone thinks you're the authority. And there's no organization that's out here in this industry that's giving you a certification that says you're the authority. You have to actually show up in this industry as the authority of yourself, but also as the authority of the information that you're providing. And you have to really be able to stand in that. I always love to tell my clients, put your crown on. You are in charge. If you don't show up as if you're in charge, you're not going to make any money. No one will believe it because they don't believe that you believe it. And so you have to really understand you're already the authority. You have everything that you need. You got to stop thinking and start doing. That's the biggest thing I can tell you. Stop thinking and start doing. Because while you're thinking, someone else is doing what you want to do. Yep. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like while you're trying to fancy name, meanwhile, your clients are already online searching for somebody. They're in that spot. They're going, where is the, I know that there's got to be this one type of person out there and you're on Google and the thesaurus trying to right. with, a, with a fancy friggin' name. Oh, don't, don't, don't talk about me. The thesaurus was my favorite. <laughs> You know that we're all pulling up the thesaurus. Like, the same well, words. We have the list. We have the list already. We have the list. We're looking at it. We're like, well, I like this word, but I bet there's a better way to say it. It's the same word for this. Yes. So talk to me about like a general framework or how to create an offer. Because I think that that's something that a lot of people get stumped on when, mm. especially when they're trying to scale that it's like, okay, well, I don't, I'm not really even sure where to begin. Right. So it, let's let's break it down to offer. So when we're creating an offer, your offer usually consists of several pieces. Once you figure out your luck spot, you're then looking at if you had to help this person solve a particular problem based on the thing that you do really well, what would be the steps that you would take to help them solve it? So let's say, for example, you are like somehow you, you've become really masterful with Facebook ads and things of that nature. What would be the steps that you would take your person through in order for them to be able to deal with these ads? Because they're saying, I'm scared of it. It doesn't work. Facebook ads don't work. It's a waste of money, X, Y, Z. So you would kind of document what are those steps. And I always tell my clients, write every stinking step you can think of, like even the steps, you know, we wouldn't market all those steps. So write all the steps. And then you want to consolidate those steps into modules, basically. And then you want to look at what you may have with that or as far as assets that may go along with those modules. And then we're really looking at how can you teach it better than the other person is teaching it. Does it have all the pieces? Is it the, do you have access points in there for people? How would you give this to a person at a higher value? What do you need to do to infuse this offer to make sure that it has a higher value? 
you know, where do you find that people fall off when someone else is teaching this? Why do they fall off? Can you solve that problem? So once you put all of your pieces together and you look at it as modules, those are considered to be your framework. That's your base. So once you're looking at that, that might be a total course. That might be a, it could be a VIP day. It could be a small group program. And you're going to determine, are, is it going to be a short-term program or a long-term program? Oftentimes, people will start with a short-term program, meaning it's something where people want an initial win. So if someone wants an initial win, you can teach them all of those things, but they're probably not going to accomplish everything in that short term. But if they get that initial win, they're more than likely want to continue with you so they can get the rest. They can get maintenance and things of that nature, or they can grow and scale with you. So what you're really looking at is a solid framework of all the things that you know you're capable of teaching. And then you're looking at how you're going to deliver those time-wise, how that looks. And then it's, is it individual or is it group? And then you're putting your pricing on top of that. Now, I have just ultra simplified that. I'm telling you just straight up truth. I've ultra simplified it. There are other steps that go in the middle of that. But that's your basic. That you're, those, those are the basic things that you're doing. And then you look at your price points. When we're in the high ticket range, there are price points that people may be looking at. So you may have an entry level, not an entry level, but maybe a short-term program that could easily be from $5,000 to $20,000. And then a longer term program that could easily be from $20,000 to $100,000 or more, depending on if it's an individual. And then if it's a corporation, those prices could actually go up even higher. Um, once you're looking at that, you I always say, once you have a framework, you can expand that framework. You can contract that framework. So it could be someone wants it in one day. It could be someone wants it over a period of time. You could take a piece of that framework, meaning a piece of something that you teach, and you could teach it in the form of a workshop. So for example, I just had a three-day event a few weeks ago. And in that event, I sold my inner circle tickets. That's a year-long program. There are some people that that's not going to be a fit for. Some people wanted a VIP day. We did that. But there were some people that just needed an initial touch. And this is where I go into your entry level. I chose to do a workshop for them. That workshop was $2,000. But we only had, we had four people that participated in that workshop. That wasn't something I offered at the event. That was something I did in follow-up calls for the people that didn't pick up, that didn't buy. I was like, hey, why didn't you buy? What did you really need? What did you really want? I could look at my framework and say, oh, there's the piece they wanted. They didn't see that in what I offered them. Let me help them. But from there, they easily picked up and went into my short-term program. And so all I do is sell from my framework. The mistake people make, you get on a sales call or you're talking to people and someone says what they want and then you start creating something for them that you're selling them. Mm. Every time you're creating something, you are going off the grid, which means, again, you can't clearly um, put a message out there about what you do because now you're off the grid and they can't refer people to you because they're going to say, well, she taught me how to do this. And you're like, oh, that's not what I really do because you weren't clear. Hmm. Wow. Okay. A lot of, lot of insights here. So first and foremost, the biggest thing I'm hearing is it's framework or go home. <laughs> like, <That's it. laughs> I think, uh, I think the a big corner that people trap themselves in is like, Oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm amazing at this and I know I want to sell high ticket. So um, I can help you with this and it's 20 grand mm -hmm. and then nobody shows up and you're like, well, where is everybody? Because 
the, it's the process and the framework that often gets overlooked. Is that fair That's to it. say? That is very fair to say. That's it. You, you threw a zero on something that you think you may be good at doing, and it has nothing to do with what you really did. Jeez. I'm, I'm just having like a moment here. I'm thinking back to like all the times where I was like, nobody wants to buy from me. And I'm like, I don't have a freaking framework to put my name on. Yeah. Like, it's, it's the, the less, uh, the less sexy side of it, maybe, but it, it is. The le- and again, it's the simplicity of it that we hate. That's the simplicity. Again, everything, everything that you do needs to come from that framework, your content, your marketing, your videos, Anything that you do comes from your framework, but it's the simplicity. It feels like that's going to be boring because I'm going to be locked into my thing. No, what you're really going to do is learn your message and you're going to be locked into saying the same thing over and over again because that's your message. So if you ever notice some people that are locked into their framework, when you hear them, you're like, I know that talk. They always say this. Yeah, because it's their framework. So talk to me about this, because I know that a lot of people fall in this bucket, is multi-passionate mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. Yeah. So I like to help people with a lot of things, or there's a lot of different ways that I can help people, and I'm having a hard time structuring all the things. Yeah. And so what you have to look at, if you're multi-passionate, does, do any of those things fit into, could any of them be consolidated into one? I have an, a very interesting client who is multi-passionate. One of her things is essential oils, but also she does spiritual direction for people. And I said, can they be combined or do you really want to keep it separately? Could this be part of your packaging and your assets? Or could, could the oils be a part of this? Yes or no? And she's like, well, as a matter of fact, it can. Great. Well, we need to get rid of the two websites because People see your name and you're like, well, go to website A if you want this, go to website B if you want that. If you are the brand, oftentimes we're building businesses and we are the brand, you have to avoid confusing your audience. If you're really multi-passionate and your things can't blend, it's just like, oh, I help design houses and I coach women to start businesses. Okay, (laughs) We're we're doing two separate things. So the thing I will ask you is, have you really been able to scale one of those things? If it's no, then you need to figure out where you want to spend your energy. Doesn't mean you have to give up that business, but maybe someone else has to manage the other business for you until you can scale this business. Once you can scale that business that you want to be known for, your team can do most of the running of it. Then you can go over and do this thing. If we're multi-passionate, I I believe you can definitely invest in different things where people say have multiple streams of income, but you need to make sure those streams of income don't distract you. I believe it's it's a horrible mistake to start your business and have five other ones starting at the same time, and you've not been able to successfully do one yet. That's a mistake because now your energy is split and you cannot successfully grow any of those businesses to the point where you need to grow them to because you're all over the place. So if you really want to do something, invest your money into something that doesn't require your time and spend your time and money on the thing that you really want to build. Well, I love that you're you're almost kind of giving um, permission that people don't need to like, it's okay to be multi-passionate, but maybe just something needs more of you right now. Yeah. And, and the other thing needs more of you later on, because, you know, you can have three, four, five, six different offers, you know, even within one business. But if 
nothing is moving forward. That's a problem. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it is a problem. And, you know, it's, um, it's frustrating, which because I would imagine you've probably also put in a lot of time, money and energy to making these things a thing. And yes. they're just, they're just sitting. They're sitting. And, and even in your own, if it's, if it's your one business, so my coaching business, a lot of people will have, you know, six different offers on their page. Are any of those selling well? Is what I'm asking. They're like, well, no. Can we focus on one? What's your main offer? What's the main profit one? Can we focus on getting you consistent sales in that one? And then we can focus on getting the consistent sales in another one and then another one. But if you're really trying to get consistent sales in all of them, it's not going to be effective. It does not work. Your energy cannot be split no matter how it looks. You have to focus on one thing. So you another confusing thing for your audience is, you know, this week I'm launching my inner circle. Next week I'm launching my accelerator. Next week I'm launching the VIP days. Next week I'm launching this. And people are like, well, wait, you haven't spent enough time nurturing people for this thing that you said you wanted. They'll say, well, I tried selling the thing, but it didn't sell. So I'm starting to sell this. But you, you, you put a thing out there for one week. You sent one email and you did one ad and it doesn't work. Okay. Do you know that it takes time? <laughs> Do you know that there has to be a plan in place for this? You, you'll see emails. We have this fast, new fast offer for this, but you were just selling this other thing. Did you ever, did you, did it really sell? Or did you just move on because you got scared? So it's like you, when people say squirrel, you know, you see one thing, you're like, wait, let me do it over here. Oh, I see this person just did this. I just went to this person's challenge and they told me to do this. Focus. You got to focus. That might mean unsubscribing from some emails. If you have emails from different people telling you to do different things because you just joined everyone's list and got everyone's freebie, you need to unsubscribe <laughs> because you, I swear you're going to be confused. Focus on what's the one method that I want to choose. And I cannot stress one again. What's the one method I want to choose if it's for your offer? What's the one marketing form that I'm going to use? Everything is one until you do that one thing well. Then you add on top of that one. So it's even like, like people do social media. Oh, they told me I have to be on five platforms. I need to post five times a day on all five platforms. Oh, are any of them well? Is, are, are you getting any traction on any of them? Okay, you need to focus on one. <laughs> and my clients can't stand it. But I'm always knocking things down. Like, <laughs> I just want you to look at one. Don't do anything else. Focus on that one thing until you can do that well. And that means sometimes where people say you have to slow down to speed up. That's all it is. Yes. And it adds to the simplicity that it adds it to being able to scale. It adds yeah. to being able to grow without, you know, like you mentioned before, sacrificing your time and your family and your resources. And, and it is proof in the pudding that we as humans complicate things. Oh. <laughs> your, your, your ego gets involved. And like you said, like I I'm launched this one thing and it's been two weeks and nobody's bought anything. So clearly I did something wrong and now I need to do something all over again. All over. <laughs> constantly in launch mode. And that is exhausting. And it is incredibly, um, it's defeating. It's very defeating. And this is where we get into the, again, not so sexy part of running a business. You have to have metrics. 
right? So, you know, no one likes the old school smart goals, but if you really look at it, it's having something that's measurable. So if you did it for one week, you should be able to look at the data and say, okay, this part worked, this part didn't work. You need to know where to tweak and you can't figure out where to tweak if you're not tracking anything. So again, throwing spaghetti does not allow you to track anything. But if you have (laughs) one thing that you were tracking, you could see the data on that. Okay, no one visited the landing page. All right, something's wrong with the message. They didn't even get to the landing page. Or they got to the landing page and no one opted in. Something's wrong on the landing page. Let's fix that. They opted in, but they're not opening the emails after email number three. Let's figure out what happened there. You can't figure that out if you don't do the work. And that's staying the course, literally. Staying like course. it's it's developing the offer. It's having the framework. And it's working out. The, it's working out the kinks, right? It's it's perfecting ultimately what is going to help you get to where you want to be, but is also going to service your clients to be where they want to be too. Absolutely, and it's like being a, a kid. Think about babies when they learn to walk. They don't quit because it didn't work the first week. They may stand up and fall every day for two weeks, but eventually they get it because they're committed to it. They're consistent with trying, and they've not told themselves, "I can't do it." Hmm. So true. Kids are resilient little people. Um, sometimes <laughs> it's, it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. <laughs> sometimes you're like, Lord, give me the strength. Right. <laughs> Whose child is that? <laughs> so one of my final questions for you today is, you know, everyone's like, okay, I'm here for this. I'm ready to build my framework. I'm ready to do the thing. How do I attract these high quality, qualified and quality clients to say like, yep, I'm here for this. So two things. Number one, again, it goes back to that question around your messaging, making sure your messaging is in alignment with your framework. That's number one. Number two, when you are having a call to action, when you're asking people to engage with you, if it's through email, if it's through you being on social media or just through a conversation, I love for people to fill out applications to work with me. And most people will say, oh, I have a form, I have an application, and it has their person's name, their business name, their email address, and then they get to my calendar. I know nothing about you. I know I don't know if you're a good fit or anything just from your um, simple demographics of who you are, your name, information. So what you need to really step into is a little bit more of the psychographics. You might want to ask, you know, what's the work they've done? Who do they do it for? What's worked well for them so far? What hasn't worked well? What their goals are? You may even ask, in my industry, I may ask, you know, have you invested in coaching before? If so, how much? But I also love to ask three, one question that gives them an option of three answers. So once we go through all of the questions I have, I'm asking them one question. Are you ready to invest? And they may say, well, I don't know how the hell much she's talking about investing. But if they know my message and it's from my framework and they know it's around high ticket, they know it's not $100. So (laughs) I'm asking, are you ready to invest? And are you willing to be resourceful to invest? The three answers are absolutely, I'm ready, willing to be resourceful. Answer number three is, number two is, give me a minute, I'm resourceful. You know, we can make this happen. Answer number three is, nope, not resourceful, not willing. So guess who's not getting on my calendar? Right. 
not resourceful, not willing. That's one vetting. Now I'm looking at who's willing to do the work or be resourceful. Then I'm going back to look at who's invested at this level before. If they're like, yeah, I've invested in coaching. I have like five $47 programs. You're going to be in shock when you have a call with me. So doesn't mean that person doesn't speak to me, but now I know in that conversation, I may surprise them with my pricing. So every once in a while, I'm just open. I'll put my, I'll say starting at $6,500 and up. It's like, if I just really don't want to talk to a lot of people, I'll put a starting price on my application. That's going to filter out a lot more people. Now they're like, okay, do I want to have this conversation? Because I'm saying, don't book a call. Don't book a meeting with me unless you're serious. So you can vet through an application. Um, You can then, some people will go directly and give people access to their calendar right after an application. Some people will approve an application and then give people access to the calendar. You have to determine what works best for you. There are also other ways that I teach my clients to do this. If you really, really only want to work with the people that are ready to say yes right now, some people will do a video about the program they have, and they may include the pricing in the video and what their process is for approving people and tell people they can only get on the calendar if they're ready to invest and move forward because they have all the information. There's no question. We're just determining, are we a good fit? So don't be afraid to vet and qualify people in that manner. It's working for you, not against you. It's working. So here's a lot of people like, but I want my calendar to be booked with discovery calls. Actually, I don't. Oh, no. I want my calendar to be booked. (laughs) Right. I want my calendar to be booked with sold out calls. I want my calendar to have people that want to work with me that are just making a decision, having a conversation saying, you know, what's the what's the investment? When can we do this? Are we a good fit? And then I have the option to decide if we move forward or not. I mean, having a full, full, full calendar goes back to this conversation. It does suck. (laughs) I mean, you're tied to your computer, you're tied to your phone, you're hopping from call to call to call, like you're swinging through the jungle. And it doesn't that go against everything? It goes against everything. And then it also, you're like, that tells me right there that your conversion rates are very low. Mm. If I am, number one, if I'm only working with small groups, or individuals, I don't need to talk to a lot of people. And if I know that I vetted my people so well that a good 90% of my people are saying yes, I'm saving time. I'm only talking to people who are ready. So even the way you're showing up, remember I said you are an authority, you're leading. If you're showing up online, like, yes, I'm talking to everyone because everyone's a good fit. Nope. I qualify my messaging. I'm like, you know, this program is only good for you if A, B, C, and D. These are the people I'm looking for. The people must meet these kind of metrics to work with me. There, people will self-select and say, oh, you know what? I'm, I am not a good fit for this. Let me not waste her time. And I will tell people, please don't waste our time. And they honor that. Right. And I think so many people get worried about putting their prices online. Like, oh, then so-and-so is going to find out what I charge or, Good. oh, that my, right? <laughs> let, hold on. Let me stand up and slow clap because <laughs> if, if they're that worried about what you're doing, then you must be doing something right. That's exactly. All That's all I got to say. But, you know, why, why not put it out there? I, I mean, what are, what are these other people online going to like take all of your clients? No, there is an abundant amount of people on this planet. Like, yeah, they're, like, they're like, oh, they'll undercut me. They're going to charge less. Okay, let them. Okay. 
Well, Let them get a certain quality client. And you're going to, if again, if your message is a match for the person that you say it's for, your what I call your Lux client, that client is, that client knows what they want. Like I'm the shopper. I go in, I know what I'm looking for. This client knows what they're looking for. They're probably not window shopping. If they've been following you and they've gotten to the point where they're looking at your pricing, they want something from you. Yep, exactly. Gosh, such good. See, I knew this was going to be a good energy conversation. <laughs> I love it. Is there any um, final parting advice or suggestions that you have for our listeners that are like, I am ready to scale? Yeah, the big suggestion for you is if, if you are ready to scale, you have to make that decision. And just really, again, those three C's being congruent, consistent and committed. You got to show up in it and stay the course. That's the only thing I can tell you. There's no magic sauce to it. Get the formula and stay the course. Oh, there's no magic sauce. I mean, we're always just looking for the quick wins, aren't we? <laughs> like where there, there has to be a secret out there. There's something that I don't know. Like everyone else is winning and I'm not. So they must know something I don't. They just, they, I think. The They're just doing the work. That's the only they, difference. Yeah. They, they stayed the course. They did the work. <laughs> Gosh, Amazing. I would love to know what the word gutsy means to you. Mm. Mm. Gutsy for me is just really, I like, I like it's, it almost means infinite, like infinite possibilities for me. You know, when, when I think of gutsy, I can do anything. It's just about me choosing to do it. And it's infinite. There's no, there's no cap on what I can do. There really isn't only the ones that you make in your mind, right? That's all. (laughs) amazing Shayla this has been an incredible conversation I love your fire I love your energy and I love um, how you're helping women to just really truly step into all the power that they really have what's the best way for our listeners to find you get in touch with you and learn more about your programs sure so easily if you go and go to shaylaboydgill.com that's my website or any social media platform Shayla Boyd Gill you can find me that way Amazing. Well, we'll have links to all of Shayla's amazingness in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for spending your time with us here today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. On this Thursday's Power Back episode, we are going to talk about undoing your offer. We just spent the last 50 minutes or so talking with Shayla about scaling in less time with fewer clients and how insanely important your offer is. So we're going to talk about a lot of common mistakes. We're going to dissect some offer things, and I'll give you some tips and tricks on how to restructure and to simplify. In the meantime, get social with me on TikTok and Instagram using at that Laura Aura. And as always, until I see you next time, stay gutsy.